The Youthscape Podcast. Well, hi everybody, and welcome back to the Youthscape Podcast. This is the podcast where we like to kind of dig deep and mine for gold a certain aspect of youth ministry, and we have a wonderful guest lined up for you later. But first, let me introduce you to my friend. Martin Saunders. Hello, Rachel. Welcome, Martin. How are you doing today? I'm excellent, thanks. Fantastic. I have behind Martin's face is a screen, and the screensaver is like one of these strange lights that keeps changing colour. And I'm so like, I think I have some kind of. I see bright, sparkly lights. I'm like, Ooh, I can't stop looking. at You've it. been looking mesmerised at that. Just beyond your eyes. That's your why eye you were okay. <laughs> Just like I'm drooling, gazing at it. I I'm see. sorry. I'll try and concentrate now. That makes more sense. So you're doing good. I'm doing good. It's Are January. You? Sorry, I should have asked. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. I'm having a few sleepless nights, but we're doing mm. okay. Sickness kicks in in January, doesn't How it? You, I never well. asked you what your Christmas drink of choice was. In the, you know, because they've stopped them all now, depressingly. What, in coffee shops? That's yeah. quite fine, went straight to Prosecco. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a bottle of Prosecco on the side that I just haven't opened Prosecco for so long. Latte. My, I'm, I'm godmum to a little boy, and this, and we, we didn't drink it at his christening. It was about a year ago, and it still sat on the side of my... I don't know why. Anyway, forget that. Let's move on. Christmas drink of choice. No, straight straight flat white. Do you? Yes, you I do. You don't fancy a little flavour. Don't like syrups. I just... We've got my well-documented love of eggnog. Oh, oh I do love an eggnog latte. No. And they've run out. They, do you know what they often do? What? Is because the, the coffee shops that know me actually now try and sell me just the cartons. They're just selling me the raw materials. They're like, will you take three cartons off our hands? We don't really want to make this anymore. Can we take it off the till now? Bless them. But uh, I do, I love it. And it, I probably, I, I gain about a stone in weight every Christmas. What do they do with the, like, the leftover eggnog? Like, it's in January, you can't, nobody wants it, do they? I presume eggnog is one of those things going. like plastic. I'm not going to sneeze, that's fine. <laughs> You're not going to sneeze. I'm not going to sneeze. I just thought I was. I had a good joke there and it's gone. Yo, I'm I looking like at producer Rachel holding shoulder. her face. <laughs> Her head in her hands. I don't look at Matusa Rachel I'm speaking. It's good that she put <sighs> the microphone in for this one, though. It is very good. Talking about favourites, yeah. things that we do, and for me, drinking an eggnog would definitely be out of my comfort zone. Today's podcast, our theme around this one is spirituality. We're going to be thinking a bit about just broadening our understanding of spirituality and how we help young people kind of um, get immersive in different ways of connecting with the Lord. Um, but Martin, have you recently or ever been in a setting with, with brothers and sisters in Christ where you were like, actually, I just, this is so out of my comfort zone, the way we're doing the worship thing here, that I, I'm just having to kind of coach myself into this and remind myself... We're all part of the same family, and it's just just, mm. just a different way of worshiping Jesus. Have you ever had that, or are you quite like actually, I can connect in any setting? <laughs> I'm so people... adaptable. Yes, how adaptable no, are you? I don't think I am. I don't get asked to speak very often anywhere, so uh, that's not me being needy. I mean, was that an answer to this question? Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I don't. I'm not like you. I don't travel I around. I see. Okay. I right. don't travel around the place okay, doing. You know, uh, one week I'll be at a New Frontiers church okay. and the next week I'll be at, uh, you know, an Elim church. I don't do a lot of that. Um, so I've got limited experience. I'll tell you one that really affected me mm. and one I haven't really done that I'd like to do. Ooh. So I'd really like to do a, like a, go to a Catholic mass, mm. but in a church, maybe a Catholic church that has more in common with where I'm at. So, so maybe one that's more in the kind of charismatic tradition mm-hmm. so I'd love to go to a charismatic Catholic service fantastic haven't done that yet so if anybody's listening and wants to take me along I'd love to go um, the one probably the most affecting uh, 
experience of how that is. I think I've talked about it a long time ago on the podcast, but in Chicago, I went to um, a church, uh, Trinity, uh, Trinity Chicago, um, which uh, is um, the church which the Obamas um, kind of grew up in. Oh, well, yes. Not grew up in, but used to yes. go to before before they were the Obamas. And, um, and which uh, Jeremiah Wright was the, the pastor of. And that was a amazing eye-opening experience of what it must be like to be the only black family who, yeah. you know, come to a, a white church. Um, so, we, so Chris Curtis and myself went yeah. to uh, this brilliant um, uh, Pentecostal church and uh, I, um, uh, have, you know, have never felt so white in my life. Mm, mm-hmm. And what was wonderful was how welcome they made us feel. So to give you the full story, um, when Chris Curtis and I arrived at the door, um, we, they actually shut the door in our, in our face. Not, not because they were unwelcoming because they were wonderfully welcoming, mm. but because recently they'd actually had some it's trouble with some, there, some yeah. white supremacists yeah. who'd basically been like throwing stuff at their doors mm. and, and, and shouting at people in the street outside, um, which was, you know, so they were kind of living with that. So mm. when two very muscular white men turned up... Well, unknown, isn't it? You're unknown. Uh, they, yeah. assumed, they assumed the worst. Um, but no, but we, we, when we explained who we were, we went inside. And then the um, two things happened. First of all, they seated us right at the front in mm. a position of honour. Mm. So they put us about two rows back, which was quite intimidating because you know you have to join in with mm. loads of stuff. There are loads of joining in. Yeah. Um, and they, they put us in there. And, um, and then the other thing was the pastor, who is very, you know, wonderfully well regarded in that massive church, mentioned us by name, welcomed us by name, uh, everybody clapped us. Aww. You know, it was extra. I think he got us to stand up. Oh, that's you extraordinary. Know. If 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 that church had white supremacists the week before, yeah, causing all kinds, of, and then the next week, some yeah. people sharing ethnicity with the white supremacists but not ideology, yeah, turn up and you're given the place of honor. I mean, that says volumes Doesn't about it? the heart, maturity, and kindness of this church. So incredible. Uh, so yeah, so Trinity Chicago, incredible, and uh, and it was amazing. They had a huge uh, like choir of of men in uh, what I, I assume to be kind of African traditional dress yeah. behind the speaker. Yeah. Um, and the, do you know the best, the best thing that I, cause it was, it was very cool and Pentecostal. There was a lot of wheels mm. within wheels. But uh, one thing that I'll always remember is that they, um, they stood up halfway through and said, the door of the church is always open. Does anyone want to respond to Jesus tonight? Mm. It was not prompted in any way they did not explain the gospel. They mm. just make a place every single service to say, does anyone want to become mm. a Christian? And this teenage girl walks to the front mm. um, and and walks up to the pastor and says, me, and mm. two people prayed for her. And, you know, she became Phenomenal. a Christian. And, yeah. and, you know, and I just thought there's something really brilliant there that we do not yeah. have in my stuffy old Anglican church. Yes. We, yes. Never, we never say, hey, just yes. let's stop everything. Is the Holy Spirit prompting anyone this in this is room what we're about. Yes. to become a Christian? Yes. To join the family? Yeah, gosh, where else are we meeting? What yes. about you, Rach? So I, so I have two as well. Just as you were speaking, I was obviously not listening and just thinking about what like I was going to say. My own wheels within wheels. Um, but my two are, the first one is when I went to Moldova and I, I joined a prayer meeting. It was all women and it was women who I couldn't work out who the girls were, who were the sex traffic girls and who the girls were because they're all very young who were supporting them so that was interesting because I was like but I want to know who I can 
look after. And that was really good for me to not be in a position of looking after anybody. I couldn't speak Moldovan. They prayed in Moldovan. I didn't know what was going on. But in that space, it was the most incredible. I mean, the, the, the weight of God's glory and presence was just extraordinary. So that was an incredible experience of not understanding any of the words mm. and not being able to kind of put people in boxes. I, and, and But I just knew this was a group that love each other and are finding healing together mm. and and God is in the midst of this. And, and I've spoken at a, a conference in Germany where um, I spoke in English to youth workers and it was translated. But every time we had a prayer meeting beforehand as a team, it was all prayed in German. And that was the only part of the whole weekend that no one translated for me. And on the second day, I found it really difficult because actually, I when I drilled down, I was thinking, why, why am I finding it hard that I don't understand what the leaders are praying? It's because I wanted to box in their theology. Mm. I was thinking, I want to hear what they're praying. I want to hear what... And, and part of that was, I want to hear what they're expectant for and what they have faith for. But also, I want to hear what kind of Christians they are. So that really mm-hmm. challenged me. Like, yeah. can I just trust that they're just saying, God, do your thing? But the thing that really was really an eye for me with young people was we went to Lee Abbey about nine years ago. Um, we took about four different Romance Academy groups for their residential yeah. Yeah. down to Lee Abbey in Devon. So none of these young people were Christians. None of them particularly were part of any Christian project. They'd just come to Romance Academy through local schools. But there's a beach at the Abbey, and there's a chapel on the beach, which is basically the cave. And we told ghost stories <laughs> round bonfire, and it was really late at night, and the wind was howling, and the waves were going crazy. And then we found, we stumbled across this chapel, and something just switched. Because I think we've been doing these ghost stories, we've been, you know, you're out with the, with the kind of the wild elements, and then we suddenly stumbled across this chapel, and a, and a cross was there, and they knew that the youth workers were Christians. And it was extraordinary. Mm. We had the most interesting time of prayer, and, 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 and it, was, it felt incredibly safe and incredibly risky as well, mm. because you know, it, it just was extraordinary. The, the young people were just like spiritually just switched on. They were mm. seeing things in the dark, and it was one of those weird ones. We were like, oh, this, is this okay? Is this not okay? But mm. God is... God is spirit. He is incredible. He is dangerous. He's wonderful. That's interesting. So, and there's something amazing. about place. In oh, that it was as well, amazing. So something about when I often think, you know, we we underestimate the power of reverent yes. space yeah. where prayers have been prayed for hundreds yeah. or even thousands and the of years. Elements are raw as well. Yeah. Like young people were literally, they were really quite scared by nature. Mm. So when we arrived at Liabi, you have to drive through the Valley of the Rocks, and we had to keep stopping the minibuses because they wanted to take photos of goats and sheep, and they were getting freaked out by the shapes of the trees against the against. Yeah. And I, I thought these are North London urban kids who actually are, don't know what to do with nature because yeah. nature feels. They're feeling stuff they don't normally yeah, feel. It yeah, was yeah. they were very their their spirituality was very heightened all weekend actually. Wow. So was their drug taking. So we had to bring them home a day early. So I found drugs. I was like, no. But anyway, enough of that. But um, it was interesting. Like everything was just heightened that weekend. Yeah. I Sorry, Lee Abby. I, I, I don't know <laughs> what to us. say. But I do know that you had three, and you promised you'd have two. There, but you went Moldova, oh, Germany. I, oh, I did. Do, and I snuck a third one. You can't have international as one. No, exactly. Anyway. But it's interesting, isn't it? This is a good way into talking yes. about today's guest. Yes. So it's uh, it's Stephen Hoyland, who works for the Jesuits, but is not himself a Jesuit priest for reasons that will become clear in the interview. Uh, and uh, he is someone who has obviously a deep interest in uh, contemplative spirituality and sharing that 
uh, approach with uh, young adults and students particularly, but also he's been part of the journey here at Youthscape for the last 10 years, helping us figure out how we do that stuff with young people. So I, I find him, it is a wonderful experience listening to his voice. You will find it hard, unless you're in the gym or something, Stephen Mitchell, uh, you, uh, you will um, find it hard not to fall into some sort of, gen- if not sleep, dreamlike state. <laughs> you might start imagining things like oh, you would on a residential with Rachel Gardner. <laughs> and uh, and this, is, uh, this is Stephen Hoyland, who is wonderful, on contemplative spirituality. This is the Youthscape Podcast. Well, my guest today on the Youthscape Podcast is uh, Stephen Hoyland. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Hello, Martin. And we find ourselves in a, I guess, a slightly odd room. Um, do, you, do you want to describe where we are, actually? Uh-huh. Yeah, so we're, we're naked and there's loads of steam around the place. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's a chapel. It's the chapel in the Chaplain Sea at the University of Bedfordshire. It's a, it's a small square room and there are various items around the place, different religious symbols. It is used by Muslims sometimes for their personal prayer, but more often by uh, Christians. They'd come in here and sit quietly for a little while and daydream and then realize they're daydreaming and then they'd leave feeling like they'd failed in prayer, which probably brings us on to some stuff we'll be talking about later. <laughs> uh, so it's the chapel in the chaplaincy at the University of Bedfordshire. Uh, but you don't work for the University of Bedfordshire. Correct. Uh, you work for the Jesuits. I do. Uh, we just established before we started recording that you are not a Jesuit. Nope. Um, but you're quite close to one. So what, tell me what you uh, tell me what you do, Stephen, and, and then maybe as well how you got into it in the first place. Okay. Right. Good questions. Uh, so I do indeed work for the Jesuits. The reason I'm not a Jesuit is partly because of my wife, who I love very much indeed. Uh, but a Jesuit is uh, a priest or a brother and therefore celibate unmarried and I'm married and that's my vocation and I'm very glad to be married Uh, because I'm not a Jesuit but I live their spirituality that makes me Ignatian because Ignatius founded the Jesuits and there are loads of us Uh, and it's a, a big growth area amongst non-Catholics. So I'm a a Catholic, the kind of Catholic who likes writing cross letters to bishops, which (laughs) is why my canonization is unlikely to happen, in fact. Um, But in fact, uh, the growth really is in the the non-Catholic world. Yeah, I mean, and for many people, we just jump off at this point, for many people listening, uh, Ignatian spirituality will be an interest area. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, you know, the um, uh, the book Contemplative Youth Ministry mm-hmm. uh, is the yes. sort of is at the moment the number one set text it seems in in Christian youth work, Good. Uh, and and is playing into that area of uh, Ignatian spirituality. And, yeah. and we'll move on to talk about some of those those yes. things a little bit later on. But how did you find yourself working for the the Jesuits? Because that wasn't always the plan, was it? Uh, correct, it wasn't. No, I started off being an RE teacher in a Catholic school and my hopes as a teacher in a Catholic school teaching RE was that I would be able to help the young people uh, towards a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, I failed <laughs> completely. 
that. Uh, and if I hadn't failed, I would still be an RE teacher in a Catholic school. But you know, there is something about um, context, isn't there? I decided that probably one of the least fertile grounds for the gospel was a Catholic secondary school and teaching RE specifically. There's just something about the environment that makes it really difficult. So I stopped doing that, Stop that. Martin. Okay. Then became a university chaplain in Lancaster. Then I took a little time out to wonder what I might do next. Then I had a mystical experience where seven angels appeared to me. That didn't really happen. But, oh, uh, man, I thought that was really part of the story. It might have been mystical, actually, but there weren't uh, literal angels. I mean, if you like, I can tell you about that. And I, I just realised in this period of, of quiet, I took three months out mm. and lived as a hermit. Uh, my wife was a hermit with me for some of that time. Wow. To, to wonder, oh, what will I do with the rest of my life? And I discovered especially during one particular prayer time that I was Ignatian mm. I was already a bit Ignatian and I knew that but no I was fully Ignatian and I wanted to spend the rest of my life living and sharing Ignatian spirituality okay and when I finished this time as a bit of a hermit I went to see a Jesuit I knew who ran a retreat center in uh, Merseyside it's since closed down not my fault <laughs> and I, t I told him a longer version of that story and I've been a school teacher and a university chaplain so I had a fondness for working with young adults and now this sense of vocation to Ignatian spirituality and I said to him uh, Paul I feel called to live Ignatian spirituality and share it with young adults and I know that job doesn't exist and he said when can you start wow so he employed me on the spot to do that okay and so uh, what did that start to look like how did you start to share Ignatian spirituality with oh, young adults right so initially I was more working in the retreat house that we had in, in the northwest of England and developing some outreach to young adults so I went into sixth forms I'd been a teacher and the school had a sixth form and I liked working with sixth forms so was that going to be the place um, I went into some universities and I ran a, a retreat such as I'm doing this week in fact at the mm -hmm. uni of Bedfordshire and the work with the sixth forms didn't seem to me to be very fruitful it wasn't worthless but it wasn't that fruitful but the retreats with the students and staff of the uni did seem very fruitful and I think it was something about the the the, the retreat experience working one-to-one -one with someone at depth uh, and discerningly listening to what they are saying and to what God might be up to in someone's life might be up to because God isn't always that clear and and then giving them something to pray with and they come back and they talk about it mm. and just edging closer and closer to where where grace is particularly at work in their life that I loved and 
thought was probably the most fruitful thing I could mm. do. So I, I let go of the sixth form inputs and started to focus on retreats for university students mm -hmm. using the chaplaincies as my way in. So uh, a lot of people listening, obviously uh, most of us do work with under uh, university student age, so yes. we'll probably be, uh, you know, in youth ministry most of us working up to the age of 18. Um, and as I said before, there's, there's this growth in interest in contemplative yes. spirituality. Um, why, why do you think we've seen a bit of a renaissance in that, mm. in the wider church, so beyond, beyond the Catholic church, beyond the, the sort of high Anglican uh, branches of the church as yes. well? Yes. We're now, we're now, you know, you might be a youth pastor in a vineyard church or a, um, a Baptist church, mm. and actually this is possibly the most exciting kind of route that you're exploring at the moment. So what do you put that down to? Mm. Yeah. You're good at asking questions. Uh, the, I'm in Luton at the moment. We're in Luton. There are so many amazing youth workers in this area alone. And one of the things that has inspired me about them is their ability to take what I'm doing with young adults, uh, 18 plus, into schools mm. where I know I failed, and that's not me being falsely modest, and I think I failed partly because I don't have that charism. Whereas the youth workers I've come to know, especially around here, do have that charism. That's why they're mm. youth workers. And so they're able to do with contemplative spirituality something that I found I couldn't, which is mm. why I'm no longer doing that. You did train them though. I remember you training yeah. Our, our team yes. up in, in a, a kind of a style of mentoring mm -hmm. which involved a sort of prophetic listening element to it where yes. you sat and just sat with a young person and mm. asked the Holy Spirit to speak while you listened to the young person. Mm. Or contemplative listening. Yeah, so, uh, so... And it can be done at the bus stop. Listening to somebody and while you're listening to them and asking questions to help them uh, to say more you're you're doing your best to be sensitive to what god might be doing in that person's life in that moment mm. uh, so for example um you're you're chatting away to somebody and it turns out that they quite like films you get into films and you ask them so what's what's the best film you've ever seen and they say uh, it's a wonderful life why? Uh, you know the film, of course, because it's uh, a very inspiring film that I'm going to be showing people at Christmas. <laughs> and they say, oh, I don't know why, really. There's just something about that person's life. And he, um, you know, he's not famous, but it's a good life. And he only realizes at the end. And there's just something. And you're listening to them. And in the listening, you're discovering one of the ways in which grace is probably at work in their person's life and that person might have never heard the word grace they might not believe in god or maybe they do but perhaps they've never been listened to as well as that and you're helping them to get in touch with something that is life giving for them and if it's life giving then probably god is up to something interesting in, in their life mm. so even at the bus stop or while playing pool which I know is pretty much all you. That's all we do. Workers do, um, 
or in a one-to-one session in a retreat in daily life or in a retreat house in Merseyside for an hour's session um, is that contemplative listening noticing where God might be at work in somebody's life mm. there are so many directions we could go uh, I'm keen to unpack a couple of kind of spiritual disciplines which um, youth pastors might be interested in in exploring for themselves or for the young people um, but I also I wanted to sort of start by asking um, very practically um, when you're when you're running a contemplative exercise with a with with a group of young people yes how how do you know when it's going well yeah and how do you know when it's awkward so I'll, I'll give you an example I was I, I you know with a group of young people the other day and I thought I'll try a sort of Lectio Divina style meditation yeah. exercise with them mm-hmm. I genuinely to this to this moment do not know whether they had a deep encounter with the Holy Spirit or whether it was the worst 20 minutes of their their year because they're too nice to tell me yes the truth <laughs> So when you're in that moment, uh-huh. how do you discern whether God is at work or whether you've you've kind of called it wrong? This is the wrong moment for this group, and it's all it's all gone a bit because you've had presumably both kinds of experience. Too right, yes. Uh, tongues of fire, that normally. <laughs> oh, I didn't have those. Yes. Oh well. Oh well. Never mind. So I think it's possible to tell that it isn't going well if they are fidgeting like crazy. Mm. Uh, Often legs crossed is a sign that they're not really engaged. In fact, when I'm setting it up, just organizing the room, I find it really important, especially with young young people, because they can be so put off by the thought that somebody can see them, Mm. that that means that they can't really enter into it. Uh, So organizing the room so that the nervousness and embarrassment factors are are down is important and let so let's say that's not an issue but if they're fidgeting or the legs are crossed or you know they they end up all fetal i I know that they're distracted (laughs) whereas if they stay pretty still still then they might not be maybe they are still so that's one thing Mm. How, how much fidgeting is going on but even if they are sitting very still I don't think one can know for certain that they're having uh, an experience of of God Mm. in prayer or meditation until they get to talk about it. Mm. And sometimes, presumably, they don't know until they get a chance to talk about it if they're an external processor. You are so right. In fact, one of the most common things people say to me, I'm talking now about the, the university students that I'm working with, is after I've led them through a guided meditation, like Mm. an imaginative contemplation of Mm. the Gospels or a Lectio Divina, is, uh, oh yeah, it didn't really work for me. Mm. Uh, I'm useless at this, I'm a failure. And so we explored that. And what often turns out is that it did work for them, but it didn't work for them as much as they thought it should have done. Right. So I remember one common... Uh, one particular experience but it is also a common kind of experience is somebody who said well yeah I failed I didn't get to the end of it Mm. Um, and it was an imaginative contemplation and I think they were what were they doing oh they were watching Bartimaeus 
gets healed by Jesus. Jesus asking him, what do you want me to do for you? And then at the end, they were to stand before Jesus and let him ask them, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, so this is all going on in their heads, being being explained by a facilitator. So I'm leading them through it, trying not to give them too much to leave space for whatever uh, is happening for them to happen, uh, but taking them from the beginning to the end and this moment before Jesus at the mm -hmm. end. So he looks at you, how did he look at you? He asks this question, how do you respond? What happens next? And the hope is they all get to that point and there's some kind of encounter with Jesus that moves them. That's the point of it. Mm. And this guy came, um, he, do you know he worked in the student union at uh, a big university in the north of England? But I won't say more than that in case he's listening. <laughs> and um, he said, I failed. So we explored his failure. He was in the crowd, he didn't get to Jesus. He didn't get to hear Jesus interacting with Bartimaeus. But as Jesus passed him in the crowd, all in his mind's eye, of course, it turned out that Jesus uh, looked at everyone's faces in the crowd, including his. So Jesus was looking at him for about a 50th of a second. Hmm. We then spent four days talking about that 50th of a second. Oh, wow. Because it turned out that Jesus was communicating something to him in that moment. Mm. And the more we stayed with that moment, uh, the more he was either noticing about what had happened or, or experiencing um, something of it happening there in the room. Mm. So he felt like a failure, he hadn't failed. We just had to find the moment mm. that Jesus had got through. And we forgot about Bartimaeus then, because yeah. it was all about Jesus's look how's he looking at you now yeah and by the end of the week he was noticing something of how Jesus was looking at him now and of course what what always happens when we experience Jesus looking at us or speaking to us we we get to know him a little better mm. we fall in love we want to follow mm. that's the dynamic mm. that's the the Jesuit thing mm. the Ignatian insight help people to get to know him. Here are some ways to help people get to know him. If that happens, these things will follow. They will fall in love and they'll want to be disciples. So let's just address the cynic for a second here. So, um, because, because by nature, this kind of spirituality is all about what goes on in your head, isn't it? It's what, it's what you, uh, <laughs> you conjure up with your own imagination. So it's the most honest form of sort of you know, dreaming this sort of stuff all up on your own. Yes. In a sense. <laughs> um, so what's your sort of defence to that, to people who would say, well, this is, I mean, this is, this is extra biblical. Uh -huh. You know, you can come to whatever conclusion you want to mm -hmm. about who God is. You know, what's the, what's the, what do you say to that? Because I'm sure you must have come across that. Damn it, you've got me. The interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I and mean, that's a great question to ask because many people will be uh, correctly wondering about that. And we don't want to be credulous. My goodness, that would be dangerous. In fact, I've, I've banned one or two people from praying this way because I think they just go off into fairyland. So, we say to folk who are entering into this way of praying, okay, you may have questions about it, save them to laughter, but they are important to ask after. For now, enter into it. Mm. 
yes it is your imagination but it's your imagination offered to God mm. and just as God can use your intellect and your heart so God can use your imagination and mm. we probably underuse our imaginations Absolutely. in our spiritual lives so offer it to God uh, so it'll be you and God's spirit in a bit of a dance and you are not in control of the dance mm -hmm. so it may go places you hadn't planned to go so go with it then afterwards ask yourself does this seem to be consistent with uh, good solid biblical themes and the, and the God that I know and mm -hmm. what other people um, are saying to me uh, and that's always discerned uh, together in the one-to-one -one meeting as well so when somebody says uh, to me, so you led me through that prayer last night and, uh, and Jesus said this to me, I don't immediately think, oh great, Jesus said that to them. Mm -hmm. So that means you have to sell everything and go to Zambia and be a missionary. Uh, no, we have to discern these things. Uh, somebody did once say that to me, actually. Wow. Uh, we discerned it. She remained a health visitor. <laughs> Not in uh, Zambia. In England, yeah, okay. I'm pleased to say. And he's now a prayer guide, by the way, oh. who helps other people to discern where God might be calling them. So it's important not to be credulous, you have to discern. But in, in the process of the praying, I think it's important to go with that flow, mm -hmm. like you would go with the flow of a dance, mm -hmm. and then afterwards decide whether it was Jesus you were dancing with, hmm. or a charlatan. <laughs> so the discernment factor is really important. Yeah. And what would be the signs that something is of God? Uh, they are inner and they are outer. So if it leads to more peace or more joy or more of a sense of hope or love, that would be a sign it's of God. If it leads the person to want to uh, serve more fully or more generously, that would be a sign that it was of God. I don't want to imply there that if it's of God, people will always want to do more, mm -hmm. uh, more in the sense of mm -hmm. more things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the more we're called to do is actually less. Yeah, very important to say to youth workers. Yes, <laughs> yes, embrace the, uh, the discipline of simplicity alongside yeah. all of that. Yeah. So you're right to ask that question, mm. uh, and we can go away with the fairies. At the same time, it grace plus our natural faculties can lead to something profoundly mm -hmm. of God and it doesn't mean that you haven't imagined it but God can work with our imaginations and it has to be discerned afterwards tested okay now I, I fear this is what always happens with you is that the time runs out and actually that I just want more time and I know that you have a uh, another person coming into this into this room to be uh, a, a benefit of your wisdom <laughs> I hope I'm wise enough to shut up when uh, they're talking yeah I've done a lot of the talking here but the uh, the, the less I talk in a one-to-one -one session on a retreat the better I'm doing usually yeah well it is good if you do the talking because otherwise it's me interviewing myself that wouldn't work yeah this and, is uh, a different no one wants thing. that so just finally then I just just turning to more practical kind of applications of this for those who are really interested about how to get started yes I'm thinking about things like silence, using silence with young people and then calling them, inviting them into silence and maybe also meditation. Mm -hmm. Where, what are some simple things that um, uh, you know, we can try 
safely with some young people um, just to get going in this area of, of Ignatian contemplation. Okay. So pray as you can, not as you can't. So if you're listening to this and if silence absolutely turns you off and you can't do it, that's okay. Pray as you can, not as you can't. You might need to find a loud way of praying. Uh, somebody needs to write a book, uh, Prayer for Extroverts. Trouble is, extroverts don't write books about praying. So uh, that's one to work is on. This, is this a moment to mention my book uh, on uh, spiritual disciplines? Martin, tell me a massive extrovert. Honestly, this isn't a setup. No, no, but I, well, I just, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to challenge that because I'm, I'm an off the scale extrovert, but yeah. I'm so passionate about this yeah. area that I, I think it's, uh, I think it is a massive. I mean, although I've asked that question, um, you know, I, I think this is an area for youth workers to dig into because young people can live up to your expectations about things like silence and yes. contemplation. Anyway, I, I, I jumped in for the book plug. Sorry. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned it, though. It's, it's important. Uh, so uh, s silence is for many people very helpful for most people occasionally helpful and of course the world is so noisy and busy mm. uh, creating some silence for a group of young people what a gift that is uh, so it's not the only way praise you can not as you can't but it is our way and mm. it's it's worth offering so what would be my suggestion i think the setup is really important um, in my school, we used to have the students lying down. Mm. Uh, one has to be uh, probably two people in the room is a good idea in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and solely because it meant they couldn't see each other. Mm. So they felt freer to mm. just enter into it instead of fidgeting and feeling mm. embarrassed. Mm. And so the setup is really important. Um, having some, some uh, plinky plonky music that's not overly plinky plonky but something to to uh, s stifle the the sounds that can be distracting yeah. uh, farting in particular makes <laughs> prayer impossible for all sorts of reasons. I'm tempted to ask if you've ever done it in a, uh, in a set we haven't got time, we haven't got time. Uh, and I won't be doing now either um, and then uh, having a good text and guiding people through the experience. Mm. If they're new to it, probably giving them quite a lot of pointers. Hmm. Uh, and there are some uh, good texts out there. That there are some that are already worked out as podcasts. Fancy mm. that mm. Uh, on the Pathways website that the Jesuits have set up. Pathways or Pray as You Go. And some of those have been written by a world-renowned expert in Ignatian spirituality. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, so <laughs> they could be used, or even better would be for the, the youth worker in mm. question to mm. be doing the leading. Uh, and trusting uh, space, we can easily rush through because we're nervous that you know, they might be getting bored. But if we leave enough space, enough space for the encounter in particular. Mm. So uh, if you get to a point where the person is with Jesus, one is hoping for that, what do you want to say to him? Mm. And leaving space. Mm. <laughs> what does he want to say to you? And leaving space. So it's, it's trusting that God can do something in that moment. 
And okay, they might be distracted, but there might be for some of them something really happening. Yeah, and we fear that pause, don't we? That feels five seconds feels like twenty seconds when you're the facilitator. Yeah, but it's not, and and that's the moment where you you can actually see some amazing stuff happen. You just have to hold your nerve. Yeah. And nature as well, like uh, just thinking of a different kind of experience, you know, getting young people out into nature, can that mm, help yeah. the, the process? Yeah. Yeah, I remember a youth worker uh, teaching me magic spots. Have you heard of that one? No. So you, uh, you get them all in to put on their silence veil, and they can't speak from then on. And um, then you take them on a walk. Uh, one by one, a little trail like the Pied Piper, mm. and you drop them off in different places of the garden or whatever it is, uh, in their magic spot, and you leave them there for 15 minutes or however long you can get away with to stay in that spot, sitting or standing, and just to be, to mm -hmm. notice. They can pray if they want to, they don't have to, if they daydream, so mm -hmm. they daydream, mm -hmm. just to be there and stay there and not to move from it. And then you go back and you pick them up one at a time still in silence and then you take off your silence veil at the end so they've had 15 minutes on their own as a playful exercise of mm. just being still and some will say oh that was really hard yeah <laughs> how am i supposed to uh, not have my phone for 15 whole minutes yes but others are profoundly moved they've mm. never done it before and there was mm. something intentional and because others are doing it and it's structured they were able to stay mm. and maybe they they for the first time in their lives or the first time since they were a child they looked at the colors of a flower mm. or a bee decided to come and visit obviously sent by the holy spirit <laughs> Or, or something else or something was happening inside them brilliant so I think that can be a really helpful exercise brilliant. and very contemplative of course Stephen I could talk to you for hours about this but our, our time is up but uh, we will obviously be manufacturing and selling silence veils on the Youthscape store Excellent. by next year because that sounds like a money spinner right? yeah. I think yeah, my good. youth worker in the country doesn't want to buy a bunch of silence veils yes Sleeping Lines is a good name uh, game too isn't it same idea. Very good. Well, look, thank you for your time today. And um, I think we're just now going to be silent as we end this uh, section of the podcast. So we're now emerging from our little dreamlike states. But that, that was powerful. That is beautiful, isn't it? And I think it's always such a blessing it's such a rich thing to listen to other voices let people speak into your life and um we at youthscape are really committed to making sure that you as wonderful youth workers and leaders have the opportunity to have people speak into your life and to bring that richness to you so we have open me which we have a new season launching very soon which you can get for completely for free and the beauty of open me is it's not a resource that you do with young people it's not for others it's for you it's it's for you as a leader as a disciple as a human being as somebody who has this spiritual capacity to connect with god and with others and we really want to invest in that and it's a chance for you to listen to other voices and have people that you wouldn't normally listen to speaking into your life martin how do people get hold of open yeah you can get it at openme.cc uh, the entire archive of all the seasons of, uh, of, of, them, yeah. of Open Me. There's six weeks, basically. Six mm. weeks on an aspect of uh, character. Uh, and uh, you can get all the last seven seasons, I think, 
uh, online at youthscape.co.uk and there's an open me section there. Um, I, you know, the funny thing about this is uh, I, we've been involved in this for a long time and the truth is it's actually still taken up by a relatively small number of, of, of yeah. leaders. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I know how it is, absolutely. You are incredibly busy. Email mm. is both wonderful because it gets you, you know, gets something directly to your inbox uh, really quickly, but also terrible because if you're anything like me, you've got emails coming in all the time and you have to sort them in your head, which ones you're gonna open, which ones you're gonna, I mean, that's why we called it that in yes. case no one knows. Yes. That's why we called it open. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, you get the, the ones that you're gonna open, the ones you're gonna leave till later. And I figure like a lot of people get the open me email and then go, I'll, I'll, I'll read yeah. that later. And then it disappears, especially if you're using something like Gmail, which just, just you know, uh, you just have an endless well of, mm. of emails lasting, you know, decades now. Um, it, you just never get round to it. And it's so important. Well, first of all, you're really investing in yourself and it's a really positive thing to invest in yourself. Um, you know, and sometimes we're a bit like, oh, we, we're the last, we, we think we're the last person you need to invest in mm. like um don't we sort of have a a mindset where it's, it's much more important that we give mm. all the good stuff to the young people and then there may not be enough for us at the end um but also it could be a little bit arrogant mm. to try and do youth ministry without um actually taking some time out to mm. invest in your own relationship with god now this is one of many tools the bible probably being the best one which allows you to do that, but actually, mm. it's 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 just not healthy mm. to think you can lead young people from a place of shallowness yourself. Mm. So we provide this, and we continue to do it um, because you know we don't make money out of it, and mm. it costs us quite mm. a bit to do it. But we do it because we we are absolutely committed to helping you as the as mm. the youth leader to invest in your own walk with God. Mm. Last thing at night, that's when I do this. That's yeah. when I read my daily Tozer and I, and I read my... There it is. We haven't heard from season. Tozer for a couple of weeks. But it is lasting at night because I, I sort of thought, actually, I, I, I totally agree with everything you say. Absolutely. But actually, it's generally the last thing at night that I go, oh, no, I've not done it. Mm. So I've now decided to say, rather than say, oh, no, I've not done it, I'll do it. Last thing at night. And actually, then as I go fall to sleep, eventually, the words that are running around my mind... Are words that, I re that re I've chosen to really bring me life, mm. and I think that you know. So I think w when you're listening to us, if you're feeling, oh no, I, I really agree, but I don't ever make it happen. That moment in the day where you go, oh no, I've not made it happen. Make that your moment. And, and remember this. as well that feeling of having spent some time with God. You never, well, I mean, maybe this is generalisation, but you almost never come out of a time of prayer or a time of just just waiting with God mm. or being silent you almost never come out of that and think well that was a waste of time mm. I mean there are times there mm. are moments and seasons in Before our lives silence. where that can happen but generally speaking you're almost always thinking why don't I do this more often mm. Mm. so this is one tool of many to mm. help you do that you can get it for six weeks in your inbox for free, uh, for free. openme.cc wonderful Little shout out time. So, um, Sarah Figuera. I'm terrible with names. Sarah Figuera. I think I made you sound we can make that into a song. We think you're amazing. So, Sarah, we love you lots. God bless you. Dan Randall and all the guys up at Pay's Project. Westy. And Connor. And Connor. And Connor. You're two separate people. But we're going to. But we love you both. And you're in the West vague North. Berkshire, Central, South England <laughs> area. 
And then the Nazarene College Youth Ministry Cohort. We love you. You get credits for listening. Woohoo! I mean, now, you don't actually. Do we need to spell Patreon? Because oh, actually, yeah. if no one had told me, I would think it was spelled P-A-T-R-I-O-N. Yeah, okay, it's not. It's not, though, it's is not, it? It's not, no. It's Pat, like the postman. And then... R-E, like religious education. And then on. on. So... Pat the Postman, RE, and on. There yeah. we go. I mean, how you can't remember that? What a great, yeah, what a great way of remembering break that one down. patreon.com slash youthscape. To support us. Yeah, support us. It's 79 pence a month, we think. We need a Ish. dollar, dollar, dollar is what we need. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, the flashback Fantastic. to the Rachel Erica Ooh, days. Yes. Spotify royalties, here we come. So have a great day, have a great week, have a great month, have a great year. Where are you going? <laughs> Go on, then tell us your joke. Well, it's not a joke. It was a witty comment. Go on, then tell I mean, us your witty comment. We're ready for it now. We'll be the tell us your witty comment. Oh, what, do you know that Rachel's going to leave all this in, don't you? <laughs> it's not that witty. She inflicts ourselves on ourselves. I was suggesting that eggnog is one of those things like plastic that doesn't break down. Mm. And therefore, unless like people like me consume it. Too long. It doesn't. Too long. Uh, but it's I didn't, too long, it's not witty. No, but I didn't. But it would have been, because it would have been quick. And now I've, I've ended up explaining it, <laughs> self-conscious that Rachel's going to not take this out.